Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. That's a big deal. That is a really, really big deal. So if you have a chance to uh, uh, talk to Jed afterwards, uh, I remember when I was ordained and they asked me to get on my knees and they prayed over me. Uh, that, it's like, whoa, it's, it's real all of a sudden. And uh, uh, that is really awesome, awesome thing. So uh, uh, yeah, would, you, would you just continue to pray for Jed? Uh, would you lift him up in your prayers? Um, would you uh, uh, just um, be a part of, of his public ministry um, uh, for the next generation? Would you just continue uh, to be a part of, of the ministry that he will do? That's, that's really, really cool. Um, there was a, a long time ago, my dad, uh, for a very, very short time growing up, my dad had um, uh, been a truck driver for a long time, and uh, he was gone a lot, and so in order to try and uh, be home a little more often, he decided for a, a short time that he was going to uh, try his hand in the, in the sales area at the company uh, where he had driven. And, um, and so dad was doing that for a, for a couple of years. And uh, oftentimes, as you know, uh, sometimes in roles like that where you're selling things for the company, they'll have some managerial meeting and everyone will get together and there will be some kind of a presentation. And and uh, Dad usually didn't love those kind of presentations, right? He would kind of come home, and, and it would kind of be like, uh, you know, we did this thing. And, uh, but, but one time in particular, I remember Dad coming home, and, and he was all excited about this particular managerial meeting that they had had, and, uh, and he, he was telling us all about it. And uh, They had taken this personality inventory, of everybody in their office, and then they had these, these findings, and they were placing people uh, on the board, like uh, this person has this personality trait, and this person has this personality trait, and so on and so forth, about everybody uh, in their office, and they were kind of gathering around that. And I remember him coming home, uh, almost treating us as his family uh, like we were the managerial staff. And he wanted us all to take this uh, personality inventory because he was really curious uh, where we were on the charts. And so we all sat down and took this personality inventory. I, I, I came to find out later uh, that this is called the Myers-Briggs uh, uh, Traits Inventory. Or, yeah, Traits Inventory is what it's called, MBTI. Maybe some of you have already taken the Myers-Briggs before. The Myers-Briggs inventory is based on four uh, areas of your personality. You go through, it's a self-reflective test um, uh, just to, to see where you are uh, as how you see yourself, how you see your own personality. Um, and it goes through four things. The, the first one is your favorite world. In other words, um, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Do you love being around people? Uh, do, do you enjoy being in crowds? Um, do you find friends in crowds? Like you'll, you'll be in the, the line at Disney World, and, and before the line gets through, you're, you're exchanging emails and phone number, and uh, you're, you're very excited because you've met a new friend. That, that would mean that you're an extrovert. Or, or uh, are you more introverted? Like you have to, you have to just not be next to a lot of people. And, and I, I just have to tell you, I don't get it. Um, 
But you don't love being around lots of people. I mean, you don't draw energy from being in the crowd when uh, you, you, know, you are not going to be the one on the airplane. Uh, you're you're going to sit down and you're going to open your book and you're not going to look to the right or to the left because you, quite frankly, are a little uncomfortable that there's that many people next to you. Uh, so that's the first thing. Oh, what's, what's your personality? Are you E or I? E for extrovert, I for introvert. Uh, the next area of the, the study is how you process information, right? Uh, how, do you, how do you go about processing information? Are you more of like, uh, 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 do you like to analyze things? Do you like to, uh, do you like to interpret things? Uh, this would be more of the intuitive person, okay? Are, are you more uh, intuitive or are you sensing? Like, a, just give me the facts, man. That's all I need. Right? Give me the facts. That's what I need. That's, that's how I'm going to process. Um, there's not going to be a lot of interpretation. Just tell me what I need to know. Uh, are you, are you uh, uh, on the intuitive side? Are you an N? Or, or are you a sensing side, an S? Uh, the third area is, is how do you process decision making? How do you go about making a decision? Are you a person who is just like, I need to know the facts about the decision, or are you the kind of person uh, that is going to say, I, I need to kind of feel out the situation? I need to understand the people and the circumstances in the situation more than I just need the facts about the situation. Are you going to handle this more logically or, or are you going to kind of feel out the situation? Are you going to think or are you going to feel? That's the third one. Are you going to be a T or an F? The last one uh, really just kind of encompasses how you handle the rest of your, of your world, Okay. Uh, how is it that you uh, go about handling what happens in your world? Are you a person that wants direct decisions made right now? Or, or are, you, are you someone that's like, well, you know, I'm going to go with the flow and it's a little flexible and, you know, maybe we'll do this and maybe we won't? And those two letters are going to be judging or perceiving. Judging or perceiving. And by the time we're all done, and by the time you're all done taking this personality inventory, you've reflected on yourself, and you'll be assigned four letters for those four different categories. And by the time we're done, there's a chart of 16 character traits. And just so that you could see what this might be like, um, I found a couple of charts this week that, that might be helpful to you just to try and process what this might look like. So any Office fans, I, I know that that uh, is a, a Jed I knew was an Office fan and this being ordination day for him. Go ahead and throw that up there. Who are you? Now, I just want you to know I'm an ENFP. I am Michael Scott for those of you who are Office fans. All right, go to the next one. It, it was May 4th the other day. Um, that's the holiday known, known as May the 4th be with you. Okay, My kids actually got up on the May 4th, and, and they found out that it was May 4th be with you day, and they actually had to change their T-shirts to Star Wars. <laughs> so there's all these personalities. Um, I'm Qui-Gon Jinn, um, and, you know, whatever that's worth. 
The last one, for those of you that are like, this is a sermon, there needs to be somebody in the Bible, someone has taken the Myers-Briggs personality test in the Bible. Now, some of you are so curious about what you are right now that I want you to know uh, that, that because you want to know what your spouse is, you can go to 16personalities.com and take a Myers-Briggs inventory test for free. You can do this very thing in your family and categorize everyone in your family, okay? 16personalities.com. I took the test, and I was so excited about it. Uh, I, I uh, texted my bride, and I said, you need to take this test, 16personalities.com. Uh, we found out on the chart, uh, the Bible chart, that I'm Peter and she's Mary. <laughs> I was joking around with someone this morning. I said, you know what you get when you, you put Peter and Mary together? You get a four-year-old named Simon. It's true. <laughs> I was thinking about everybody's personality and how we interact with one another and how we gain strength and how we make decisions and how we process stuff. And I was just thinking all week long, wrestling through this question with all of our personalities, with all of who we are and how we make decisions and how we process, which ones is God most likely to choose. I mean, when it comes to his kingdom, when it comes to impacting and influencing and expanding the kingdom of God, uh, which ones of the Myers-Briggs, which one of the 16 personalities is, is God uh, going to choose to success? Uh, which ones are, are going to know uh, the greatest amount of victory when it comes to uh, building Christ-like communities one neighbor at a time? Which ones? I mean, do I get to be on the list? Do you? This morning, we, we find ourselves continuing on in this series through Luke, just, just talking about great reversal. We're consistently finding that, that Jesus is turning things around. He's turning things on its head. Uh, we're kind of like, uh, we come to these moments and we're thinking, that doesn't make sense. Uh, that's not what we would anticipate. That's not what we would expect. And this morning we find that Jesus turns the tables on things. He turns things on their head and he answers this question. He answers the question about who is it that's most likely to succeed when it comes to building Christ-like communities one neighbor at a time. Who is it that Jesus is most likely to choose in regards to their personality? Who gets to have success? This morning we see that, that Jesus is anything but conventional. That, that Jesus oftentimes will, will go about way, things in a way that we don't anticipate and that he actually chooses to bless people that we wonder why. So you join me in Luke chapter 6. Join me in Luke chapter 6 this morning. If you need, uh, there's a pew Bible in front of you. Reach out and grab one. You're going to be on page 720. 
Luke chapter 6. Jesus is habitually reversing the order of conventional wisdom when it comes to those He will bless. He's constantly uh, turning the table in regards to uh, the different kinds of people uh, that other people would actually cast off. We find Jesus blessing them. Look with me in verse 17. He, talking about Jesus, went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed in their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Some good times. Looking at his disciples. Jesus looks at his disciples, and this is what he says. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. This this is great reversal happening right in front of us. This isn't conventional wisdom. No, 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 no. This isn't those who should be blessed. Not in our world and and not even in Jesus's, right? I mean, conventional wisdom would sound way different. No, no, it's supposed to be not those who are poor who are blessed, right? No, blessed are the millionaires. For they have the the big house and the new car and the ever-expanding retirement account, right? No, it's not supposed to be blessed are those who hunger now. No, it's supposed to be blessed are those who can order anything off the menu that they wish uh, because they can. It's not supposed to be, is it? Blessed are those who weep now? No, it's supposed to be blessed are those who have lots of parties for their life will know celebration. It's not supposed to be blessed are those who hate you and exclude you or insult you. No, it's, it's supposed to be, no, a blessed are those who will sacrifice for you will sacrifice their value for you, for they are the boss. And Jesus takes this whole thing and He decides to bless those who who prior to this are unblessed. And He says, let me tell you, in in the way I'm going to do the world, uh, there is going to be a shift. And He is living out great reversal right here. And He's saying, those disciples 
Those disciples who mourn, those who know insult, those who are going to be poor, those who are going to hunger, those are going to be the ones who are blessed. What? And yet it's this piece right here of Jesus giving reversal that begins to give the answer to our question. Who is it? Who is it that gets to know success? Who is it that God would tap on the shoulder? Who is it that Jesus would prompt today toward ministry, toward ever-expansion and influence of His kingdom? Who is it that Jesus would choose today? Who is it that Jesus would prompt right now to building Christ-like communities one neighbor at a time? We find that Jesus prompts everyone. Uh, we find that, that Jesus prompts everyone to ministry. We, we find that Jesus prompts all 16 personalities for ministry. Look with me, if you would, at verse 12 in chapter 6. Verse 12, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. What's striking is who Jesus doesn't choose. I mean, conventional wisdom would have it that, that if you were going to choose uh, 12 people uh, really to kind of usher in uh, the kind of ministry uh, that you needed to have happen after you're no longer there, you're not choosing these 12 guys. I mean, think about it. Conventional wisdom would say uh, we need to choose the most educated we need to choose the, the most connected. We need to choose those with the most charisma, the most charm. We need to choose those who, who have the right kind of pedigree. You know what I mean? Uh, we need to choose the ones who have an ability to get things done. And if you and I were, were to choose we would probably isolate a few personality types on that chart and we would say, we want to choose these guys. We want to choose the ones who are going to get things done. We want to choose the ones who are educated enough. And yet Jesus takes common laborers. Jesus takes fishermen. He takes tax collectors. He even takes Judas, and he prompts all of them, all of them, to ministry. 
You see, Jesus didn't choose all of them uh, because uh, they had such an overwhelming sense of competency. He chose them because of their willingness. I was with a, a, a man who lives in New Zealand this last week, and we sat down to lunch together, and we were talking about different leadership issues. It's a guy who loves Jesus, and and we were uh, just talking about uh, how it is that God uses people uh, in amazing ways in the church. And he shared with me a simple phrase that comes from the native people of New Zealand. Kai Manwanui, be willing Kai Manwanui, be willing. I chewed on that a while. You see, Jesus here isn't choosing any of those who have all the characteristics that we would think that have to be there in order for them to be prompted for ministry. But what they did have was a heart that was willing to follow Jesus. So, can I tell you, it's not about your personality. It's not about where you fall on a chart. It's not whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or, or whether you, you like a lot of information or whether you're just going to fly by the seat of your pants. It really has to do with whether or not you are willing. So, so church, let me tell you, you this morning are being prompted by Jesus to say, I will sign up. This morning, you are being prompted through the Word for ministry right where you live. Now, you've got to make a choice. I love the image. I've heard it several times. You have to make a choice. You've been prompted for ministry. If you are a follower of Jesus, you now are being prompted to be a part of the ministry that Jesus is doing. Uh, No personality type necessary. So, are you going to come? Are you going to treat the church like it's a cruise ship or a battleship? Oh, we know cruise ships, right? I've never been on one, but I've seen the pictures. I've heard about it. I'm in a cruise ship. I step on. I've paid my money. I've done my dues. And I get to sit back and relax and have other people serve me. And then there's the battleship. I've never been on one of those either, but I think the atmosphere is a little different. You see, the battleship is, is you got to be on the front line. you got to be at your station. you got to be on the ready. And no one's there to serve you. You are there to serve. And so church, Jesus is prompting you. Jesus is prompting you to ministry. Which one are you going to choose? You say, I'm, I'm here so other people will serve me, or are you going to say, I will enjoy and I will launch out 
for whatever might come on the battleship, I'm, I will go there. Some of you, uh, maybe that analogy doesn't work for you, so let me use another one. Are you going to sit in the stands? Are you going to play Monday morning quarterback and question the decisions that you see made around you? Are you going to accept the invitation from Jesus, prompted toward ministry, to build Christ-like communities and love people where you live and get on the field? You see, you really can't have it both ways. Uh, You can sit in the stands. uh, Someone will come by and serve you some soda. Or you can get out on the field and know what it's like to experience victory and defeat on the front line. And there's no personality type that's going to know more success in ministry than another. Because it's about your willingness to say, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I know some of you are terrified right now. Uh, you've understood that Jesus is prompting you to ministry, prompting you to to build Christ-like community right where you are, to love where you live. But you're afraid. Uh, You're afraid because you have some stuff in your past. You have some regrets. You have some shame. You have some things that, quite frankly, you don't want anybody else to know about. and, and, And you're not certain that if you actually do this, that if you actually begin to serve instead of be served, that that someone's not going to bring up something ugly in your past. Well, can I tell you, it's time for you to turn around. It's time for you to, to not focus any longer on what's happening in your past. It's time for you to focus ahead on where Jesus is taking you. That he's prompting you into ministry and that that there's something that he has in store for you. It's time for you to say, I'm not afraid anymore. And I'm going to move ahead. That there is no regret, there is no shame that that Jesus hasn't already taken care of. So, So you can move forward with confidence because he's already prompting you into ministry. And some of you say, well, it's not my my past, but I just feel inadequate. First thing I want to say is, welcome to the club. The other thing I want to say is oftentimes what brings levels of inadequacy is because we, we sit and we look at the person sitting next to us or across from us or up on stage and we think, I'm not like them. I can't do what they do. No, you're right, you can't. But you can do what you can do. And it's time for you to stop comparing yourself with someone else. It's time for you to stop believing the lie uh, that, uh, that the deceiver would have us believe That because we're not like someone else, we couldn't possibly do the kind of ministry that they could do. Uh, Listen, listen, in the end, it's not about you, is it? It's about Him. The glory isn't for us, it's for Him. 
And so whatever personality type we might be, it's about our willingness to say, I will accept the prompting that Jesus gives to ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a glorious opportunity to jump on the battleship, to get onto the field. And you can build Christ-like communities right where you are by loving people where you live. I've heard stories already of people in our church, and you go to work and you know people who are far from Jesus at your workplace, and they're coming to be baptized and accept Jesus as Lord. They're saying, I, I will allow Jesus into my life because of your influence on them, and you're loving where you live. And there's some of you uh, who are thinking, I can't, I don't have anything to offer. And yet you have a great uh, a magnitude of time. And you know the people in the hospital that need visiting. And you know who, who needs a, a kind word and a card or a postcard. You know who needs the extra text message. You know who needs the phone call. And you can use your time to be prompted into ministry, to go and visit the sick and love people and build Christ-like community. And I'm sure there's, there's people in this room who are very connected in our communities. I mean connected uh, maybe at higher levels. You know the sorts of organizations and the kinds of needs that they have. And you know uh, that that we as a church can be a part of that, and you can lead that. I want to be absolutely clear. Jesus is prompting everyone in this room to ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's prompting you to nothing else. This morning is about ministry. And Jesus is prompting you. Will you be willing Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are and all that you do. And I pray, Lord, that you will encourage the hearts and minds of people here. And I pray, that, Lord, that they would get beyond their personality and allow you to work through them in a powerful way as you have prompted them to ministry this morning. Lord, I pray that they would serve more than they would seek to be served. And I pray, Lord, that, that the communities would be changed because of what you're doing in the lives of people. Lord, we thank you that you, you don't operate in conventional terms. You have chosen even us to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And I pray, Father, that if there's need, I pray that we can forget about the past, that you will enable us to, for, to, to forgive ourselves as you have already forgiven us. And that we can move ahead, not worrying about our past. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to overcome any fear that we might have. I pray, Father, that we'll stop comparing ourselves to other people and that you will use us for who we are and in an unconventional way, you will take even our weaknesses and make them strengths for you. Lord, we love you. And I pray that all of us will be prompted for your ministry this morning. I pray this in Jesus' holy name.